Thank you, Josh, for leading us. And Catherine, thank you for sharing a prayer with us. I want to encourage you in this time of of giving as we look to our world missions offering that you would be gracious and generous as we support missionaries both through Lottie Moon and the Global Missions Offering. And uh, we uh, have that privilege to give and to go and to pray for those who go and serve and tell the good news to people that have yet to hear the name of Christ. And certainly as we come to this season of December that, that we would consider our tithes and offerings to this church as we've had a, a, a difficult year and as we come to the end of this year that we would give faithfully our tithes and our offerings to continue to support the ministries of this church. Indeed, this is an exciting and important time. And I want to thank the Smith family. As many of you know, the Smiths uh, will be uh, leaving here at the end of the month to a, another uh, a professional opportunity for the Smith family as they'll be leaving our community. And we wanted to, to share that with you and appreciate and love on them as they have invested and given so much in the life of the church in the short time that they have been here. And we want to pray for them as well. I hope you were listening in this worship litany that we began our service with and the lighting of the candles as we, we come in today and we see the, the evergreen and we are reminded of the, the promise of everlasting life through the Messiah, through the Christ child. As, as we see the lights of the sanctuary certainly pointing us to the light of the world, Jesus, but also reminding us that our Savior, that the light of the world said that we too are lights of the world, that we reflect His radiance, that we reflect His light as we go into the darkened places of this world. So let us, as we come into this beautiful sanctuary, as we see it decorated for the holiday season, prepared for Christmas Sunday, that the symbolism of the Christmas tree, of poinsettias, of, of the holly on the wreaths would not be lost upon us and the meaning that they portray. As we enter into this time of Advent over these next several weeks, we focus on this passage from John 1. For you see the simple yet profound truth of Christmas. The simple yet profound truth of the Advent season is that God became flesh and dwelled among us. The proclamation, even as far back as the prophet Isaiah, that Emmanuel, God with us, that Emmanuel would be born. And that prophecy came true as the angel of the Lord came and appeared to Joseph and said, Joseph, in Mary, your fiance, Emmanuel will be born. And as the Word became flesh and dwells among us, one of those key characteristics, one of those key traits, one of those key things that this Messiah, that Emmanuel brings to us is peace. Our Old Testament survey class just finished up last week and we ran through the, the final 12 prophets, the, the minor prophets, if you would. And I'm reminded in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Now, now Micah was testifying in the, the southern kingdom of Judah. And it was after the northern kingdom of Israel had been defeated and, and so many of those people had been cast into exile. And as we know, that northern kingdom was, would never be reestablished again. 
And it was Micah and Isaiah who prophesied at this time. About 722 is when the the northern kingdom fell. And and Micah and Isaiah prophesied from that time even into the the late 7th century B.C. And Micah offers this powerful prophecy in Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. Even Judah was, was under the threat of the Assyrian Empire at that time, wondering if, if they would survive, if Assyria would come to, to overcome them. And the prophecy of Micah, the prophecy from the Lord was, Do not fear, for from Bethlehem, from Bethlehem one day one will come forth, and he will be ruler of all Israel. And he will be ruler of all the world. And as we read down a few more verses in Micah chapter 5, verse 5. The same prophecy concludes with this thought. This one. This one who will be born in Bethlehem. This one will be our peace. Isaiah prophesying around the same time as Micah Put it this way in Isaiah 9, verse 6. A child, a child will be born to us. And one of the ways, one of the names that we will call him is Prince of Peace. Into this world, Isaiah and Micah were prophesying that into this world of violence, into this world of war and of conflict, into this world where evil seems to to manifest itself so prominently and so freely, you can rest assured that one day there will be one who comes and he will be the Prince of Peace, that peace will come to us, to our land, and to our lives. Now this, this word peace is a, is a familiar Hebrew word. It's the word shalom. The word shalom means total well-being. It means that everything about life is right. And of course the understanding for the Hebrew people was that, that shalom, that this total sense of well-being could only be found in the presence of of the Lord, in the presence of Yahweh, in the presence of the one who would come and bring peace, shalom was possible. For you see, shalom offers this state of of wholeness, of completeness, of soundness. Shalom includes a state of health, of safety, security. Shalom offers a sense of prosperity. And so when we hear the word shalom, when we hear the word peace is spoken, particularly from the Old Testament, we're we're not just talking about quiet. We're not just talking about rest, although those are certainly included. We're talking about this total sense of well-being. In the hospital is... I would have the opportunity and privilege to to pray with you at different times. One of the ways that that we should pray is to pray for shalom. 
to pray for a sense of well-being, a sense of, of peace, of rest with one's mind and one's body. Of course, the implication being in the hospital is that things are not well with one's body. And so we pray that shalom would begin to be experienced and that the body and that we would cooperate with our bodies, we would cooperate with the great physician and, and those procedures, those medications that would come our way and that we can experience peace and health and wellness as our minds and as our bodies, as we, we pray for shalom and that, that anxiety would leave so that our bodies can come under this sense of shalom as well. You see, the, the, the prayer for peace is a, a powerful peace, a powerful prayer that we utter and share unto the Lord. It is the prayer that we might experience complete and total well-being in the presence of God. Centuries later, in the moments before his arrest, Jesus had a, a quiet moment with his disciples. And in that moment, his disciples finally, in the, in the conversation, his, his, his disciples finally confessed that they understood that Jesus was God. And it's interesting that there in John chapter 6, around verse 31 to 33, Jesus says, as these disciples affirm that He is God, but He says, guys, you need to understand that in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have struggles, and, and there'll be battles, and there'll be trials, and, and there'll be disease. And guys, you need to understand that in this world, there'll be betrayals and denials. But know this, I have overcome the world. And in that moment, in that setting, Jesus says, In me, in me you have peace. In me you have shalom. Even though the, the tribulations are coming, even though Jesus would tell them, in just a few hours you will be scattered and you will have betrayed me and denied me, you need to understand that in me there is still peace, wellness, safety. Have you ever thought about this question? What is the opposite of peace? What's the opposite of peace? Is it war? Is it violence? Is it conflict? When you sit in a hospital room waiting for test results, what keeps you from having peace? When you're alone at night, maybe in an unfamiliar place, maybe encountering an unfamiliar face, what keeps you from having fear or peace? I gave away the answer, didn't I? What keeps you from having peace? When you've been married to someone for, for 50 years or, or 60 years and, and that person passes away, what is it at night? What is it as you, you live your life that keeps you from experiencing peace? 
as I alluded to, I think the answer is, is fear. Could it be that the opposite of peace is fear? For you see, in those fear-filled moments, what we need in that moment is shalom. We need peace. We need this sense that all is well. That there is health. That there is safety. That there is a sense of wholeness and completeness in my life. For you see, when those things are absent, it seems that fear fills the void. So let us listen to the words of Jesus. This one, this one who comes to dwell among us, when he says in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let your heart be fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Why? Because I give you my peace. I give you my wellness, my completeness. I, I give you myself. Now certainly we need to acknowledge that there are many reasons to be afraid. There are threats to our health and to our safety. And fear can be that which gets our attention that could ultimately save our lives or keep us from harm. So, so fear is a good response. It's a natural response that, that God has given us. But fear can also be that which is crippling and paralyzing. And fear that goes amok can rob us of the life of peace that God intends for us to live. In his book, The Gift of Fear, Gavin De Becker writes this. The most common, greatest fear for women is to be assaulted by a man. Most women make dozens of decisions a day to avoid putting themselves in a situation where they might be physically harmed by a man. Men, what kind of a society have we been a part of creating where the greatest common fear of women is to be assaulted by you or by me as a man? This is not the kind of society that we should live in. This is not the kind of society that God has come to create. It is shameful that we have allowed, that we have participated, or we have turned our backs to the darkness of this plight against women in our nation. Powerful and respected men, successful leaders, Television personalities, businessmen, and politicians are surrounded by the swirl of accusation and wickedness today. Let us hear another word from the Lord concerning peace. 
A word from Isaiah when he says, There is no peace for the wicked. For you see, where there is no peace, there is fear. And imagine, if you would with me, the fear in the corridors of power in our nation and in our culture. Fear among those who have used their power and their position to seduce, to harass, to victimize, to assault, and to make conquest of women, and yes, even of men. The light is shining into the darkness. And the peace-robbing, fear-inducing shame, guilt, and dirtiness internalized by victims is now being placed upon the perpetrators. And to show how dire and desperate this situation is in so many places in our culture today, the darkness still does not comprehend or understand what is going on Why, boys will be boys, some say with a wink or a nod. Or I wonder what those women did to bring this upon themselves. Yet do not be mistaken, church. Something is happening in our nation. The light is shining into the darkness. And for the wicked, for the sinful, The word of the Lord today is to repent and to confess your sin, to ask for God's mercy, for His forgiveness, and for His cleansing, and to lead you in making right that which you have done wrong. And by the grace and the mercy of God, may even these discover and find the peace of God among them. And among us. In Judges chapter 6, there's a powerful story of, of Gideon that some of you may not be familiar of, familiar with. When the angel of the Lord first came to Gideon to save the Israelites from the Midian army, Gideon responded to the angel of the Lord by saying this, If the Lord is with us, then where are all of his miracles? If the Lord is with us, translation, why are the Midian, why is the Midian army such a threat? Certainly, Gideon's reply was, certainly the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the Midianites. Yet Gideon obeyed the angel of the Lord and he prepared a sacrifice. And when God consumed the sacrifice with fire, Gideon became fearful. But the Lord called out to Gideon and said, Peace to you, Gideon. Peace to you. Do not fear. And in that place, Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he declared, Yahweh Shalom. God is peace. And because God is peace, and because the Prince of Peace is coming to dwell among us, because Emmanuel, God, is here, we do not 
have to fear. The word of the Lord for us today on this first Sunday of Advent is the peace of God dwells among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. For the victim, for the fearful, the Prince of Peace is born. Yahweh Shalom dwells among us. Would you receive that Shalom today? Would you receive that peace? Would you receive that rest Would you receive His cleansing power? Would you allow the light of the Prince of Peace to shine into those dark places of hurt, of abuse, of pain? Would you allow Him to redeem and to make you a new person? For you see, in the midst of the troubles and the tribulations of this world, we too can learn to live in shalom with the one who comes to dwell among us. And again, for those that would recognize their own sinfulness today, it is not too late. Don't let the cameras show up on your doorstep before you begin to confess and deal with the sin and the wickedness that resides within you. Repent, turn, confess, acknowledge, ask for God's mercy and cleansing. You see, Yahweh Shalom desires to dwell and to bring peace and rest to you as well. Will you receive His peace? Will you receive His rest? Today, will you too begin to learn how to live in peace? Let's pray.